What's going on, you guys? This is episode 17 of the Nobby Design Podcast. And in this episode, we sit down with my good friends, David and Nina Kim. Uh, David is a discipleship pastor at Westgate Church based out in San Jose, California. And Nina is a full-time mom, but also an Enneagram coach through her private practice, Shalom Coaching. And I just want to say I really enjoyed this episode. I believe this episode is both uh, so powerful and pertinent. Uh, We talk about David and Nina's own personal journey through crisis, but really how the Enneagram uh, played a very pivotal and catalytic role as a tool uh, to help them not only navigate through the crisis, but even the crisis within. Uh, Man, I just want to say this episode and really the last two episodes have been so powerful um, as uh, our guests have shared so vulnerably. Uh, I really believe that this episode is really going to resonate with so many people. Uh, I hope you guys really enjoy this. Check it out. What is going on, you guys? Uh, this is Andy Un, and this is another episode of the Nobby Design Podcast. And let me just say this: I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm thankful. I'm excited. Um, you know, I really do have uh, just some amazing friends on this podcast, and I want to share a bit about that. But uh, today, I have two very good friends, a married couple, David and Nina Kim. Do you guys want to say hello? Hi. <laughs> hello. <laughs> yeah, from San Jose. That's right. So coming live from, from San Jose, we are on a Zoom call. Um, and yeah, just uh, kicking off the podcast. I mean, I just want to first say this. Um, you know, Yuna and I, uh, we, uh, we first met David and Nina uh, in Kona, Hawaii last year. Uh, during a kind of a very unique gathering of Korean American leaders that was taking place there. And we actually connected uh, with you guys on that first night. I remember that very clearly. And I'll just say this, you know, uh, I think Yuna and I went in so open, uh, really believing that God was going to do some divine connections and divine relationships And we really felt right off the bat that you guys, there was just something very unique about our connection with you. Uh, And so we got to know a little bit more about David and Nina. Uh, I'm going to let them share about their own life. But uh, I just want to say this, um, you know, from the moment that we met (laughs) and even the uh, ensuing months thereafter, uh, you know, we had uh, just opportunity uh, to connect face to face uh, where we got to fly out to San Jose. And I think I could speak, uh, speak for all of us um, that we just had an amazing time with you guys. Oh, yeah. I still remember that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I w- would even call it, you know, maybe even life changing. You know, uh, I think, you know, Yuna and I walked away from that time feeling like we spent uh, several days, but felt like the richness of it was almost like a year's worth of conversation and friendship. Uh, even connecting our kids, connecting together. That was so much fun. Uh, But yeah, so without further ado, uh, I would love uh, David, Nina, uh, if you guys would share uh, a little bit about yourselves, but maybe even teeing off this introduction time. uh, You know, one of the things that you guys shared with us right off the bat was just the unique journey that you guys went on. And it all revolved around when I asked uh, why you guys uh, got into Enneagram coaching. And you guys were very open about your journey of what even led you to this point. So yeah, feel free, take as much time as you want, but uh, please share who you are and and your journey with us. Yeah, so um, let me just make a quick shout out to all the David Kims in this world. (laughs) (laughs) I'm another one. My Korean name is Changhyun and um, it... uh, I've been in pastoral ministry for now 16 years, and um, primarily of that, 12 years in the Korean-American context, and uh, uh, grew up most of my journey in East Coast, New York, Boston, uh, but it was too cold, and uh, total three cars in the winter storms, and so I'm out here in San Jose and uh, enjoying the weather, um, and uh just being just uh i know most of you don't know me but just being honest right off the bat uh uh 
my pastoral journey, it, it's been very, very um, ugly. I mean, there were some, uh, wow. I mean, all by the grace of God, you know, God redeems all things for his glory and his kingdom's purposes. But I mean, in my pastoral journey, I've heard a lot of folks I've done uh, and, 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 and early on we got married and I just didn't know how to communicate well. I didn't know how to really be uh, observant of my own inner heart. I didn't know. Um, and I had a lot of toxic patterns and behaviors that didn't know where it came from and I had nowhere to navigate. And mm. I would just call it just a sin and just, just prayed it away as though that somehow in my journey that would all fix it. Mm. And um, and nothing was working, and so I, uh, so I just, I just got into just a theology camp and spent like ten years theologizing and using theology to just bring healing in all areas of my life. Wow! And um, and for some odd reason, I thought it would work, but it wasn't working. Wow! And um, we got and we got married, and right away our marriage was in trouble, and wow. mainly because of me. And um, I'm already a pastor in the journey and marriage in trouble. And so we went to a, um, a marriage workshop. And in that workshop, John and Nancy Orbergs, um, they were leading about four or 500 pastors in, in uh, marriage and healthy relationships, what that looks like. And somebody in the crowd asked, um, just in all of your years of marriage and ministry experience, what is the most helpful tool in your marriage? And Nancy Orberg, just without a second, she said, the Enneagram. This is now six, seven years ago. This is before it got popular. Wow. And we both looked at each other and said, Enya, what? We had no idea what it was. <laughs> and that's when we started our own journey. And we realized, again, uh, let me just be clear, Enneagram did not save us but jesus used the tool of the enneagram to bring a lot of revelation and that brought lots of rich conversations about our own past and about our own shadow self and brokenness and of our our sinful patterns and the way our we are triggered and all those things and that led us into these these years of deep um healing and confessions and so forth okay let me just stop there <laughs> yeah no that's so good i mean nina what would you want to add to that in terms of what what did the enneagram do for you and what did it do for your guys's marriage right um well like any relationship or marriage i think a lot of the conflict comes because we just look at the outer behaviors and we're just like, what the heck? Like, what is wrong with you? What planet are you from? Um, I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> know, and vice versa. And um, what I love about the Enneagram is that it's not, it doesn't just describe behavior. It describes the motives behind the behaviors. So wow. It's the why behind the what. Um, and once we figured out, my husband, David, he's a type three and I'm a type nine. Um, it just made so much sense. Like sometimes I was like, oh, like you're not being like an a-hole. Like that's just like, you're just wired in that way. Wow. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, you're fine. <laughs> Keep you it know? real. And, yep. and also for him, I think he would look at me and be like, oh, like you're not like lazy or like unmotivated. Like there are some issues there. Wow. Work through. And so. I mean, we have a series of events that I think we'll share, but I think through those, it just highlights more. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, the way we see the world, the way we see ourselves, and how we bring that to, you know, our respective right. roles. Yeah. yeah. And it certainly doesn't excuse us, but it gives us language, I think. Yeah. Yeah. To talk about um, the things that are happening in a way that's helpful and healthy. Wow. So would you guys, would you guys say that Enneagram was kind of the first maybe catalytic tool that actually brought some sort of uh, understanding and even uh, coalescing to the marriage? Definitely. Absolutely. And, and let me just be clear about this. You know, I am from from a reform camp, but I'm also from a charismatic camp. I'm from all camps, right? I, I, I drank well from all forms of that. And so I rich, deeply respect all uh, um, just uh, denominations and traditions. And, and um, while, again, certainly prayer and fasting and scripture reading and 
books and I, we in in all of those things while while that was incredibly helpful we're not trying to dismiss that yeah. but then gave us tools for prayer tools for scripture to to in a in a way to navigate the uh, the things of our own hearts i guess yeah wow let, let, let's dig into this for just a second okay so because what what obviously what you're describing is an area that i'm very passionate about right um I, i'm very open on this podcast that uh, the area that i'm very passionate about is what i call the intersection between spirituality and psychology and you know again just my my quick thoughts or my own convictions on it is um you know I realized kind of the shortcomings of both, even in my own life. And I realized that there needed to be some sort of reconciliation of the two to make it not only more holistic, to make it more robust, but even practically relatable and translatable into the human life, right? In a way that it's actually being developed and and enveloped, right? So my, my question to you guys would be, how did that look like for both of you? Maybe starting with you, Nina, like what did that look like? uh, The Enneagram kind of playing that type of role for you guys. Um, I think for me, yeah. I mean, one of my greatest passions is I, like you, I want to understand people. I want to understand where are they coming from? Like what's your story? Like, um, why are you the way you are? Like, I want to know. And when the Enneagram really, I think really unlocked that for us and for me to understand my husband in not only my husband, but myself in a whole new way, a deeper mm. way, mm. I think it helped me to love him in a way that, you know, he feels loved. Mm. Also um, to serve him in the way that I, not what I think he needs to be served and loved by but the way that i know that he is loved wow by and i think that was one of the greatest gifts that the enneagram has given me yeah and it's also good because now that i know (laughs) now that i know when i don't do that i'm like oh shoot (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah i think also for myself to look at oh these are the tendencies that i have um these are the blind spots that i carry Mm. and when I walk into those things, I really do hurt people. I really do hurt my husband, my family. Mm. And so, um, yeah, just that deeper, um, more raw self-awareness was such a great gift. Wow. Painful. (laughs) Uh, Still is painful, but in a good way where I think it's just helping me, yeah, to become better. Wow. So it, it sounds like for you, Nina, it gave you a lens to go into the journey inward. Yes. Wow. David, you want to add anything or you want to share your piece on that? How, and okay. more specifically, what I want to ask you, David, especially given your kind of theological upbringing, how did Enneagram reconcile, um, how did it reconcile theology to spiritual formation? Oh, in, that's in, Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was reading Colossians about Paul saying, take off the old self and put on the new self. Wow. Um, when I, when he, when he uses that phrase old self, like I don't know what my old self is. And so I'm just trying to just say, Oh Jesus. And these, these were the earlier days of my formation. Jesus just do a great work in me. Jesus just come and take over. Right. Jesus just, just make me more like you. Wow. But Jesus is saying, David, the journey is, put off the old self and then put on the new self. Wow. And so the invitation is, David, what is of your old self? Mm. And again, I didn't, I wasn't thoughtful and I wasn't honest. So I would say, Jesus, it's just all my sin. Just all mm. my sin, Jesus. Just take it all away. And Jesus is like, David, you're not doing the hard work. Wow. So, uh, what is that for you? And, and then the Enneagram kind of began to give me the language behind, okay, Jesus, these are the ways in which I am self-centered mm. or these are the ways in which I am using people for my own gain. Mm. Oh, all Enneagram three language right now. <laughs> I'm being convicted <laughs> again. Oh, Jesus, help me, right? <laughs> these are the ways in which, you know, like I, even things like 
when I would go up on stage, I couldn't understand why in my sermon illustration, I would always exaggerate. Mm. Like I would always add like another zero, like, man, I went to the schools and, and if only 10 kids came to Christ, I would say 100 people came to Christ. And, and I would say, why did I, why do I always struggle with that? And then wow. now the Enneagram gave me a language. Yeah, it's because, David, like you're always trying to, in your platform, find a way in which that you could be a little bit greater than the person next to you. Wow. And so, yes, absolutely. The, the kind of the understanding of Paul and, and, and the invitation behind it, the Enneagram just gives you the actual tool to do that kind of work, right? It doesn't wow. replace the scripture. It doesn't replace Paul's wow. invitation. It just only clarifies it. Wow. Wow. Well, speaking of the old self and the new self, right? Uh, a very, I mean, traumatic event, let's just call it for what it is, happened in your guys' life as a family where almost it would be a crash collision, both physically and figuratively, um, of the old self and the new self, right? Where this traumatic event kind of exposed all of that. I'd love for you guys, uh, could you share um, what that event was and how did that transpire uh, inwardly uh, for you guys? Yeah, um, sure. Uh, it was like the end of May 2018, we were on our way uh, to our church service later in the afternoon. Um, we, Sorry, real quick, Nina. Can you just speak up a little bit more? Just, yeah. it, just the audio is not. It, there you go. You're good. Yep. Um, and we were involved in a pretty traumatic uh, car accident. Um, wow. And both of our children were in the car. They were nine months old, two and a half at that time. And um, yeah, it was just, just yeah. All the all the images are just coming back to me again. Uh, well, we were on the freeway, and so a person behind, we were, we were at a complete stop because there was a lot of traffic going on, but the person behind us, um, I guess, uh, wasn't aware, and she was coming at like full speed, 70 miles per hour, um, and just hit us, and then we ended up hitting the car in front of us. Um, our kids' car seats were just messed up, our doors were jammed, the windows were shattered. It was just, you know, anyone's nightmare and any parent's greatest nightmare and um and I think from there uh and the trauma that we carried and the PTSD that we carried from that um both of us went into series of you know counseling um uh and things and and also it, it uncovered just even the way we deal with trauma and the ways that we grieve through trauma wow. and yeah uh did you want to add anything to that? Well, maybe, maybe this will help frame it, but I mean, obviously crazy traumatic event. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the details of that crash, you know, you've shared with us. I mean, it, it was pretty gruesome, you know, um, seeing, you know, even, you know, your kids in that sort of situation, blood, that whole thing. My question for both of you guys would be maybe starting with you, David, what was that process like for you, David, as man, husband, and father, and then going to you, Nina, what was that process like, woman, wife, mother? Yeah, so um, with, with, the, with the accident, um, I had a severe brain injury. I was the most injured, and that's by God's grace. I'm, I'm glad that I was the one that was most injured. Um, had a brain injury, so I couldn't see and I couldn't read. And so I had blurry vision for nine months. And that's a death sentence for anyone who is an achiever and, and a performer in the, in, you know, in the uh, kind of in the world of the Enneagram. And so um, I couldn't do work. And so in, in one, in, in less than five seconds, I, um, I couldn't work. I couldn't read. And um, I was... Um, I had a brain injury and I was physically disabled. And I, and at one point we were getting 22 different treatments a week. And, and so um, that um, began to do a lot of things because I was just home 24 seven and um, I couldn't provide for my family. I wow. didn't have a job and nobody was calling me for any help. 
Wow. Nobody was going, Pastor, lead me, solve my problems. And so I was just sitting at home. I couldn't, again, I couldn't be on the computer. So I was just sitting at home all day, every day. And um, I was left undone. And in that process, you know, that uh, another layer of that invitation of God, you know, who am I? <laughs> what yes. am I? Am I still uh, worthy in this world? Am I wow. still worth keeping around? Um, wow. Am I, uh, do I matter in the, in the, in the church? And so all those questions, all those, uh, uh, the questions that I didn't want to face began to uh, just be unearthed in that process. And probably the scariest moment of that process was I was about second week into our recovery again, about a year ahead, but second weekend, and I was um, driving Skylar and Zoe, our two daughters, to the hospital for their appointment. And on that drive, I was more mad uh, that I was taking them to the hospital. Um, oh, man. oh, that's painful. <clears throat> This is good, David. Um, obviously, um, if I may, David, because I, I, I even feel, I do feel the Holy Spirit just with us, if I'm just being honest. But even right now in this very moment, David, as, as that memory is evoking uh, and hitting a chord, how would you describe that chord that's being hit right now? I mean, just the deep pain of the priorities in my life, right? And, and while you believe it and preach it and teach it until uh, an event that happens to you, it really just reveals where things really are. Wow. And, um, and I was more pissed at God um, that I didn't have a title at the church. Wow. Um, than being home trying to bring healing for my children. Wow. And, wow. And on my drive to the hospital, I was so angry that I wasn't driving to work. Wow. And that showed a lot more about who I am as a father and who I am as, as, uh, yeah, <laughs> let me just, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. That's a painful thing to see. Right. And um, that's really ugly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Well, let, let me, uh, let me swoop in here for a second. I mean, obviously this is a, it's a raw moment, but I mean, I think David, let me just say this is that, you know, I think that th this conversation is already so fascinating to me uh, because I really feel like the two of you guys represent two very different energies, if I, if I may use that, but it relates to so many people. Like I believe that David's energy, you relate to so many people. Let's just call it the more type A, you know, the go-getter, you know, you know, even workaholic type that will struggle with that. But even as you're recollecting your story, David, it's almost like trauma or pain served as this almost catalytic mirror for you, for you to allow, allow yourself to see things in yourself that you would not have seen in any other maybe circumstance. Right. And I was so blinded by my own brokenness that I'm not saying God, you know, God was, you know, bringing this accident and trying to kill right. me. That's what I'm saying. Right. But what I'm trying to say is that I'm, I was so unaware of that, that it had to take almost the literal death of all four of us in our family. Wow. For me to see it. Wow. And that's the extent of my blindness and brokenness. And wow. that is painful. And we're going to hop right back into that trajectory. But even for you, Nina, I mean, as you were kind of in your unique vantage point, right, in, in all that was transpiring, 
what, 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 what were, what were you going through? Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, I think anxiety is not something foreign to me. <laughs> yeah. And so when that happened, actually, I'm very, I'm freeze. I freeze. Wow. And so when that happened, I just didn't know what to do. I had no reaction, um, which is also something I talked about with my therapist. And wow. when the image that I even, I did EMDR for was uh, the image of, I couldn't get the kids out because mm. of the jams. Mm. Um, and that's, yeah, that was, I just still seeing that, like my girls, my infant, she was nine months, her car seat was upside down. Yeah. Um, we didn't know she was alive at that time. Yeah. It's just, and the doors were jammed. I couldn't get them out. I just, and then, you know, the biggest thing about anxiety is just, you know, lack of control. Yes. And I think it was all of that. Um, yes. and even through my healing process, what that was the greatest thing, like, I mean, the, the whole process of grief, right. Um, yeah. that I think I was very angry at wow. that, um, it was not something that I could control. Wow. It was something that I could have avoided. You know, we go through that series of things when we go through trauma where like, Oh, is there something I could have done to prevent this? Yeah. Um, just something better that I could have done so that we, you know, we could have gone a different way that day, you know, just all these series of like, what ifs. And yeah. uh, uh, I think the hardest thing for me was that I couldn't grieve properly. Mm. That the next day I still have to feed my children. I still yes. have to go on with my day. Um, wow. And be strong for them. Yeah. And yeah, quote unquote, be strong, you know, for them. And yeah, I can't just go into my room and, you know, mope it out. Like I, I have to just move on. And, um, yeah. And mm. now adjusting to also my husband being home, just all these adjustments. And I think that's something that we're kind of going through right now too, in the pandemic, Yes, you know, adjusting and grieving and the anxiety that comes with that. Yeah. And I think the, biggest takeaway for me from that and in my counseling was that I I tend to downplay my pain and my mm-hmm. trauma mm-hmm. and so even even when somebody says like oh how like, what was the car accident like I think I tend to downplay my pain mm-hmm. and that comes a lot from my childhood wound where I yeah. felt like I wasn't important I wasn't yeah. hurt yeah which I'm sure we'll get to that um, sure but um, and I felt, and my therapist, she basically told me like, that's what I was doing in this trauma. Wow. Playing it. Wow. And because I'm not acknowledging my pain because I'm mm. not going through it, um, it comes out in anxiety. And for me, mm. a lot of my anxiety comes out in my anger, mm. Ang- angry at myself for not being in control of that situation. Yeah. Um, and then in that, I think I took it out on my family. Like I took, mm. it out my family, took it out on my kids. And then because of that, I would get very upset. Yeah. Just yeah. that whole cycle of guilt. And yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, and so, I mean, is it, I'm hearing both of your guys' stories and it's like, whereas David, you know, the way that he kind of responded to the trauma was to like keep trucking forward for you, it was quite the opposite uh, reaction or energy, right? Where you got paralyzed with yeah. with anxiety, right? Um, just kind of moving the ball a, a little bit forward with you know the journey, because I do actually want to get into some of these other aspects. But um, maybe starting with you, David, take us forward into the journey of um, what were kind of the aha moments that you were led through. Uh, from that moment of realization that you had, like, man, I can't believe these are the priorities of my life. Like, take us through what 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 were some of the milestones or what were some of the processes that you walked through um, that started to bring almost like a redemptive healing uh, to to what you were experiencing? Yeah, um, 
I mean, John Mark Comer wrote a book and I read that right before the pandemic and it happened, right? Uh, uh, his quote uh, from his book uh, and a quote from Dallas Willard, right? Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Mm. And, and um, that's something that I don't really like in my life. I hate it right now. Let's just be honest. Yeah. And um, when that happened, when I didn't have anything to distract myself and I distract myself primarily through my work and mm. what I can achieve through work, mm. whether that's uh, position, power, title, all of those things. And, yeah. and those are, and, and when that was all stripped away, um, that was one of the aha moments that wow. solitude and silence, God will use that for my salvation. Wow. And um, that's not something that I've welcomed. Mm. And now it's been two years of that. And now I love it. Wow. Yeah, I love it. And so again, I, I, and let's be honest, like this, this second time around with this pandemic, you know, I'm home. Yeah. Uh, and I, in my own, in my fleshly desire, I hate it. But mm. because of my, the journey, the two years of silence and solitude that I've had, wow. now I learned, I've now learned to know how to walk in it, where I can find redemptive meaning and purposes even in this time. Wow. 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 And so, so that's certainly, that's one for me. Um, and and uh, along with that, um, I was just watching, I mean, the song is blowing up, the song, The Blessing, right now, yes. everybody's listening to it. Yes. And, and Steph Curry um, just did a, uh, they, uh, uh, they did a Instagram uh, live where, you know, they're singing the song, The Blessing, and he's just singing that song over his wife and his children. Mm. And I started to just get wrecked. Wow. And, and in a world where, you know, my wife and my children, these two girls, where the world tells them they're not worthy. Mm. They're not pretty enough. They're not smart enough, right? Yeah. Um, but, the, but what God has asked the fathers to do and husbands to do is to come and say, while the world constantly curses them, yes. you ought to be the voice of, of me, right? Mm -hmm. The representation and to bring words of blessing, words of mm. affirmation. Wow. And so for me, as I'm, as I'm in, uh, in that process of the redemptive journey, like my role has changed. Like my mm -hmm. role is to be present at home. Yeah. Not be home and think about my future strategies, which you also rebuked me, <laughs> Andy, many times. <laughs> and um, still a learning process, but to be present and in that presence, offer the blessings of God. Wow. My wife and my children. And that wow. discipleship does not belong to the children's pastor or the youth pastor, but it belongs to me. I, that's my responsibility. And so those are at least two key things that God is still, I think, stirring my heart. So, I mean, can I just say this, David? It, it, that realization almost was the tool to turn your eyes back to your family for you. Um, and uh, yeah, and I love what you were just saying. It's like, it doesn't belong to the children's pastor, but it, you, there's a greater realization. There's an ongoing realization that that responsibility rests on us. And even as I'm hearing you now in the midst of what we're going through now with the quarantine and the pandemic, what I'm hearing you say is it's almost another um, resurfacing. It's almost another opportunity. Let's just put it at that. Yeah, there you uh, go for you to uh, focus on the kids. L l I just, while we're talking about your kids, cause obviously, you know, I love Skylar. I love Zoe. You know what I mean? Like, can we talk about real quick what happened with Zoe or sorry, what happened with Skylar when we visited? Are you guys okay with that? Yeah. <laughs> because let, let me just put it this, this way. Uh, <laughs> First of all, it's one of the craziest stories uh, that, that, you know, we've been a part of and to do it with you guys as friends was nothing short of amazing. Um, but maybe I'll just set up the, the conversation a little bit and then you let you guys say it. You were part of it. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, in essence, you know, when, when we visited, uh, when we visited San Jose, um, my wife and our two kids, we all went up together. We're hanging out with David and Nina and his two kids. And to make a long story short, you know, while we were there, Nina was kind of just sharing, confiding with us 
that Skylar, their, their firstborn, um, wasn't going to the restroom. She wasn't going pee pee. And obviously, as we asked why, like, why isn't that happening? You know, it, it was almost like everyone was kind of perplexed. We're a little confused as to why Skylar literally almost had this phobia uh, to go to the restroom. I mean, you were even saying, Nina, even at nights, like she would like hold it in for like how many nights in a row was it? Oh my goodness. Oh. Like to be, to be transparent, we had to go to the hospital and get a catheter of her. Wow. To That's get wow. pulled out. Yeah. And it was like that for a year since, I mean, yeah, yeah. over, yeah. It was. <laughs> wow. So, so it was to the point where you guys had to get a catheter just to, you know, release the urine, right? Yeah. But here's my point in, in setting up this conversation, because, you know, one of the, one of the things on this podcast is talking about spiritual intelligence, but spiritual intelligence in a way that's just very real, relatable and relevant for people. Right. And I'll just say this, you know, so for me, I think us just being there as friends, um, I don't think there was anything necessarily special about us, but I just remember when you were sharing that, Nina, I felt the spiritual intelligence from the Holy Spirit. It's not like it was blinking lights or it was shouting from the rooftops, but I knew, I just knew that it was connected to the trauma. Mm. Of the and car accident. I, with the car accident. Yeah. I knew that it was connected to the trauma. And in, in, let me just, let me just pref or, or jump in for a second or, or add this in. There's a thing, there's, there's something when it comes to spiritual intelligence where there's a knowing. It's very different than the way our, our logical mind works that has to reason and understand. But when it comes to the things of the spirit, there's an, uh, there's an ability, I should say, to know. Uh, we, we just know and we don't fully understand in our mind how we know, but we know. So that's what was happening with you guys. I just knew this is connected to the trauma and I knew that it was even connected to your guys's grief in some way, shape or form. So from there, why don't you, you know, Nina, David, both of you guys, why don't you guys share uh, what, what happened? <laughs> um, it's so funny because I remember even when you said that, it's kind of like a, it was like, it, it was very like, aha. But then I think I still held on to like this control thing where it's like, no, it's because I failed as a mother. Mm. I didn't train her correctly or because I probably my anxiety, you know, was on her and she became so anxious and um, almost like I felt like your answer was just like, like me, yeah, downplaying probably the pain that I put on her. Mm -hmm. I think when you said those words, it was very freeing. Like there wow. was like burden that just came off of me. Wow. Mom. Yeah, because that was probably our number one family and marriage tension point. Wow. Not, you know, uh, potty training and, and getting, I mean, <laughs> as parent, young parents, I mean, it's a nightmare. But for, to do that for a year, year and a half of day, nighttime fighting and conversation, it's just primarily, I mean, I, I, Nina a lot more than I, because I, again, I just removed myself emotionally. So I didn't yeah. allow it to, you, you and it, it came off through different ways for me, but definitely it was a big tension point for us. Wow. And when you said, yeah, this was actually, this is tied to the, the trauma of the car accident. Um, and, and I remember you say, Hey, David, Nina, why don't you, when we leave, why don't you take aside Skylar and look at her in the face and get down and, and just, you know, let her know that, that what happened in the accident, that's not her fault and that's mm -hmm. not anybody's fault and, and have an honest conversation and release her from that. I remember that. Yeah. And, and it's great. Like three days later, she went Yeah, and just like that. Yeah. What, what, what was that moment like for you guys as parents to be able to look at Skylar and to, uh, basically, uh, just tell her that, like, what was it like for you guys to basically look her in the eye and say, Hey, this is not your fault. And to almost release her from the trauma. I mean, I think it was for me when I, yeah, 
it was, it felt kind of like looking into a mirror. Wow. Yes. Because it was exactly what I needed to hear. Yes. And I, my inner child wanted to hear. Yes. From somebody from yes. anybody like from, and I think so. I think I, although that was for her, like it was for me too. Wow. For me to be like, that was not your fault. Yes. It was not in your control. Like mm. you couldn't have prevented it. Wow. And the trauma that you carry from that, it's, you're not at fault for carrying that. It's just, that's what happens. And I want to be there for you that we want to get through this together. And so when we were, I think when I was saying those things to her, it was just, yeah, that mirror effect where I'm like, oh, shoot, <laughs> this is happening. Wow. How how did uh, how did Skylar respond when you said that when you guys said that to her? I think she was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the reality of it. They don't have the words and the language to process those things at that age. But yeah. even at that age, we need to allow them to. Right. Wow. And for them, their maximum vocabulary might be just okay. But we need that time, and we needed it. It it. It came through, and and so kid, you know, people say kids don't have trauma. They do, and um, even now, Skylar, when there's loud noises, she would like cover her ears. You know, this is two years now. You know, yeah. and so um, for us to come alongside and and give her that space, I think it really released her physical yes tension. Yes, it was what it was. You know, her body was she didn't know, but her body was reacting to it. Yeah. Her body was just tightening up in every way, form, that's because right. that's what her body did when the car came in. Can, okay, I, I just, I just have to, I just have to say this. So, I, I would, I mean, and I'm so thankful that we're able to unpack this story together, you guys, because I don't think we've ever unpacked it like this since that happened, right? But um, I just want to say this, like, as a friend first and foremost, but also coming somewhat functionally, even as a coach in that moment, right? I just want to let you, I, I just want to say this, you know, for anyone who's listening, it, what, what was so unique about that situation was that, and I think there's so many human development and psychological principles in what I'm about to share. But one of the parts that we left out in the story was your guys's ability to grieve the night before we left. So the night before we left, when we were having this conversation, when we were talking about, hey, I really believe that Skylar's inability to go to the restroom is connected to her trauma. And that night in particular was, from what I remember, one of the first nights that you guys were able to uh, relive uh, the trauma, but to even release yourselves. And, and the reason why I just want to highlight that is because that was so important for you guys to first be able to release or what we would call in Christian terminology, forgive yourselves. Because until that happened, until you got yourself off the hook, you wouldn't have actually had the capacity, spiritually and psychologically speaking, to do that for her. And so what happened for you guys that night was then translated to her. And let me just say this. I think what happens, what happened with Skylar was the power of the spoken word. But it was also the power of a mother and father's blessing. I just want to say that. So the fact that you guys who shared in that trauma with her, but as mom and dad were able to look at her and to release with your spoken word you know, Skylar, this was not your fault. And we're here for you. Um, the effects of that transaction, if you will, was that three days later, she went pee pee. <laughs> and I remember getting that text message from you guys. And me and you and I think we were like in the car on the way to Costco or something. And we were like, yeah, Skylar, you know, and, and it was we, like an $80 uh, ice cream <laughs> truck toy for Skylar, right? I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, 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 and just while we're on the story, I mean, in all honesty, I felt that it was a gift from the father for her, you know, because I wanted her to know that this was a moment of victory for her. That's good. You know, um, so good, you guys. Um, okay, 
so that's obviously an incredible story of something that had happened. But maybe now we're kind of descending the plane a little bit, right? Um, I'd love to hear from from both of you guys, right? Um, uh, obviously, you guys are, I'd say you guys both really play in the human development space. And I think that's what makes, you know, our conversation so fun and, and rich. But I'd love to hear from both of you guys. What, what, what are you currently processing through? What are you currently, uh, what, what's a passion of yours uh, in this space of human development and why? So maybe starting with you, Nina, what's, what's kind of the current passion of your heart? Yeah, um, I think it's very related to everything we talked about, but um, uh, I, I do coaching. Yes. <laughs> I don't my mom, but I do coaching on the side. And, yes, you do. Um, what I love to um, do with my clients is to discover that inner child um, mm. and uncover the father and mother wounds that we carry and to grieve through that. Wow. Because I believe that has been transformative for me um, and still is. Uh, and I have seen it just been so transformative for people mm. and basically what it is is that we all carry an inner child that carries different narratives um wow. perspectives and it, it comes from you know big t trauma little t trauma or even the ways that um you know our parents even reacted to um the trauma that we carry just the wow. pain that we carry and all of that and um and it's been such a joy, a, a painful joy to do that with my clients and also for myself and wow. my own children. Wow. Um, and I think just this, even becoming a, now as a parent, seeing all of that um, in my child, I think all the more I, I want to just do it with people, that I want to create a safe space where people can um, you know, uncover these wounds and to talk about it and to give um, stories to them and to uh, discover why they carry the narratives that they carry. Like for wow. me, mine was that I'm not important. Mm. And I, it's okay if I'm invisible in this world. It's okay mm -hmm. to use my gifts in this world. Mm -hmm. and that started because as a child, uh, yeah, my, my parents were busy. I think my yeah. trauma was that my parents were busy. Um, and even that too, I'll, I've noticed a lot of my clients, they don't want to quote unquote, speak badly of their parents. Sure. Um, and I, I, it's not, I want to just say, like, it's not us throwing our parents under the bus. That's but it's right. Acknowledging the wound. You That's have to right. acknowledge what's there. That's right. And, um, and once you do that, and once I did that, there was just so much freedom Mm. And even the way I deal with a car accident mm. that my childhood wound, where I feel like my pain is not important. Mm. I just need to brush it aside and move on. Um, wow. And so because, you know, of that power that it's done for me, I, I just love to do that with people. Yes. Um, yeah. And you, and, and you do it incredibly. I just want to say that Nina is that I would say, you're, you're probably one of the, the best listeners that, that Yuna and I have come across. I know Yuna has said that as well. Like you're a very active listener. And I think, you know, that's what makes you a very uh, effective counselor, you know, is that you actually genuinely care. You know, when you're like, hey, I want to hear your story. You know, you're, you're the type of person that just genuinely and actually cares. Um, quick, quick question. This is a spontaneous question. INFP question right here, David, for you, and, and then I want to hear about your passion, David, but from you kind of looking on the outside in, what would you say was, is one of the most noticeable breakthroughs or changes that you've seen in Nina as she went through her mother, father wound journey? Yeah. So I would say she's finally learning to realize that she is a gift to the world. Come on. And there's nothing more um, that I'm proud of as a husband. Come on. See my wife, you know, my lifelong friend and partner to be confident in all that God has wired to be. 
Mm. To stand our stand on our own feet and say, yeah. you know what, God has made me this way. I have things to offer, and and through me, God using me, you know, through me, you know, I can be a blessing to the world. And for her to now take steps in that, in in writing, in coaching, and in 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 talking to her friends and and other leaders, I just feel like. I feel like now, um, yeah, I just, I'm really proud of her. And, and I think it's just going to only just grow as she has more time with, you know, with our children, just, uh, you know, as, as they get older, I feel like she's going to have more time to do this. And, and it's just a start. Come on. Quick, 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 uh, quick little fun fact. Uh, Nina is an INFJ. And uh, I, I work with this type a lot, surprisingly, even though they're less than like, I think it's like 0.8 of the population. Um, but I, I just say this is that INFJs are the most internally complex out of all the 16 types. But what I've discovered time and time and time again, their journey of breakthrough is usually a little bit more, it's, 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 it's tougher to find that place of breakthrough because of the internal complexity. But once they do, I just want to say this, it's a, it's, it's a force to be reckoned with. And I've seen that happen time and time again. Um, just quick little fun fact. I'm a, I'm an MBTI guy. I have to sneak it in there some way, somehow. Um, David, for you, bro, what, what's, uh, what's kind of the current passion for you in this space of human development and why? Yeah, I've always had a passion for pastors and leaders mm. and both in the Christian and non-Christian sectors. But, and, and I always couldn't understand why, like, there's so many toxic leaders like me. <laughs> and, and, like, and, you know, like, you always come home, you're like, man, I wish they didn't do that. Or I wish they didn't say that. And, mm. and we see all forms of the toxicity around our leadership. And for me, as in my own journey of healing, and I'm, I, I want to provide um, a space in which um, leaders and pastors and actually everybody else to to find a pathway that makes sense for them for their mm -hmm. own healing process. Mm. And I'm a discipleship pastor um, here at, uh, uh, in Silicon Valley called Westgate church. Mm. And so I am, I am passionate about building a discipleship process that is really holistic and mm. interdisciplinary and multi-system so that it, because human, human beings are here and human heart is incredibly complex as you mm. know, Hmm. And, and to uh, instead of the church just saying a blanket and lazy statement, statement yes. just become more like Jesus. That's not helpful. Yes, um, leaders, you're not doing the hard work when you say just you guys just do the work. Right? Mm -hmm. There has to be a well thought out, holistic approach that invites people to unlock all that they are meant to be in Christ Jesus. Mm. I am passionate about building that for the larger church, but mm. I am also passionate about walking uh, through folks in um, with leaders and pastors, particularly in that journey, because wow. I've seen how much damage it did when I didn't do that work. Wow. And the kind of things that I can offer with the, with the work that I'm doing now with God. Mm. process. And I, let, let me just chime this in. Quick shout outs, Jeff Hyun. I'm about to quote you for a second, uh, Jeff Hyun. But, um, you know, we talked about in his podcast, uh, the power of pain as to basically how pain plays this catalytic revealing role in our life to not only show us our true self, but even Jeff took it further to say our true calling. And I just, I couldn't help but to think about that, David, just hearing your journey because, you know, David, you started out as this like super mega type A, Enneagram three, I have to accomplish, I have to do things. But now your passions have become so much more developed and, and revealed in a greater way where now the passion of your heart is I want to help people. Right. So you went from, I need to achieve things for myself to I need to help people, which is oh Jesus, that's 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 only God, right? Like there's no way because when you said, "Wow, Nina, you care about people," you're an active listener, and I'm not even listening to this conversation, right? Like <laughs> I'm already thinking about what other amazing things I could say in this yeah. podcast, right? Like, right? Like that's that's the that's the uh, that's the fleshly wiring of me, and but yeah, to say I want to I want to provide and I want to work towards that, it's been it's been 
yeah, that's God's grace. And I mean, even for that point where, um, I mean, let's just, let's just take like, I don't know, Romans 12, when it says, you know, be transformed by the renewing of the mind, right? Yeah. Like 15 years ago, when I would read that, I would just say, hey, more theology and more scripture reading. That's how people are transformed. Mm. And I, I genuinely believe that. And again, nothing wrong with scripture and theology. I, I mean, I, our whole lives are built upon that. But yeah. now with, with kind of this journey, I'm realizing be renewed by the transforming of the mind, theology and, and the negative voices that you've heard, you know, our childhood messages, right? That, mm. Now that neuroscience and how our brains are wired and take in information and how does prayer play, play into, into that transformative and taking off the distractions. And so kind of bringing all approach to that I, I just feel like that's the that's what we are primed for in this new way forward emotional health how does that work in the transforming of the mind like all of those things you know um and 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 so i even see scripture and what we're called to become differently like yes. and i end here with with um like Isaiah 61, that like we all love, you know, that Jesus quotes, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. The yeah. Lord has anointed me to preach the good news. And then when I hear that, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then I always stop at verse three and I've always stopped at verse three. Mm. But I, you know, but in the, la in the last two years, I've been reading verse four and it says this, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. Mm. It will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And I'm going, this is the work. The, the, the calling of the anointed one is to rebuild the ancient ruins that have been destroyed by generations of the old, all from Genesis. And our call is to see where, where has it been broken and what are those things and what tools can we use to identify them? And by the spirit of God with the resurrection power of Jesus, let's rebuild that. Wow. You know? And wow. I would not have been able to see that if I haven't gone through my own journey. And, and let me just say this. I think what you just declared out of uh, Isaiah 61, especially that portion you just talked about rebuilding the ancient ruins, I would say I think that's, that's actually the calling over you guys as a family. I would say if that's one thing that I would even say, just being your guys' friends, I would definitely, I would say you just kind of prophesied over yourself, bro. <laughs> <laughs> prophesied over your family. Um, yeah, I mean, let me just say this, you guys. I'm just, I'm going to land the plane in, in a sec, but I just want to first say, really look at you guys. I wish we could look at each other's eyes, but I want to say thank you guys. Like, thank you guys for being real. Thank you for, guys for being refreshingly vulnerable. Um, I, I, I can already say right now, I know I'm going to get feedback on this podcast of people saying that they resonated with your real vulnerability. So thank you guys. Um, yeah, I just want to say this too is, you know, so thankful to have David and Nina on the podcast today. You know, I really mean this. Uh, God has really blessed us with uh, just such amazing friendships. And uh, David and Nina are people that don't, we don't get to obviously see often because of distance, but uh, definitely our friends that are very close to our hearts. And I just want to even really say that I believe in them. Uh, they carry such unique, obviously different uh, Enneagram 3, Enneagram 9 energies. But uh, both of them really are just such stellar, amazing individuals. And I really believe uh, they are going to be uh, building the ancient ruins uh, in the way that, that God has called them to do so. Um, before we kind of really close this off, do you guys want to say anything? Any any last words? Nina is elbowing me, so you guys <laughs> gotta, come on, Nina. Uh, I always have things to say, but but people don't want to hear it. Just me. Uh, I mean, I have I, for sure um, for the listeners. Um, I I said this to you per personally, but. Um, Andy, I, I do think that um, you, your gift to the world is that you really draw out things in people, that things that they haven't, they're not even able to see. So I really value your gift and your ministry, but also not only that, like your heart mm. of this podcast. And you're using your heart through the means of this podcast. And I really um, am grateful that, that, um, that through you, um, we get to draw nearer to ourselves and 
to God in this process. And so thanks for your ministry and what you're doing in this world. You're a gift, man. Come on. Thanks so much, you guys. You guys are amazing. Well, you guys, this is a, a, a wrapping up. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the Nabi Design Podcast. Um, yeah, again, as always, we hope to bring you real content and real value, uh, things that you can actually take and apply and, and, uh, and practice in your own life. Um, if these podcasts have been blessing you, if they've been speaking to you, would love for you guys to give us a, a review on Apple Podcasts. This is going to help us to widen our audience and to reach more people with the message of what we're bringing. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in. God bless.